Hello, this is another episode of the Tom Innes podcast. Um, this time I'm interviewing mentalist Doug Siegel, where we discuss his career, his life, how Edinburgh Fringe went, his opinions on reality TV shows, and everything in between, really. If you haven't already, please press subscribe. And, oh, I must apologise for the echo in this podcast. For some reason, I didn't even think about how large the room is and how that might affect the audio quality but it turns out it's affected it quite badly at the beginning although somehow as the podcast progresses it gets better uh maybe doug's works some magic on it i don't know anyway enjoy thank you i'm with doug siegel and i'll, I'll let you introduce yourself um, hello i'm doug siegel i'm a uh comedy mind reader and lettuce juggler let it Lettuce juggler. Right, okay, I, I wasn't even expecting that. As a <laughs> <laughs> the art of improvisation. Improvisation, oh, okay. Um, you say you're sort of mind reader, lettuce juggler, and comedian. I might have lied about the lettuce You might have lied, well, you might. Yeah. In the tent to prove the comedian bit. Right, well, <laughs> fair enough. Um, which came first? Lettuce juggling. The lettuce juggling, and then it built on to <laughs> um, your. <laughs> um, I am. Um, that's always a weird and interesting question, and I can almost start waffling for hours now. Um, the route that got me here is just such a weird one. I, I studied psychology at uni, and I started doing little things just as kind of... Um, just little party pieces, if I'm completely honest, to kind of win bets with my mates and impress women, if I'm really, really brutally honest about it. And then kind of I went up and I worked in advertising, I had a really successful career in advertising. At the point I left, I was... Um, I was uh, on the board of directors of one of the three largest ad agencies in the UK. I mean, kind of revolved around one, two, or three, depending on any given year. Um, and I kind of I'd learned a bit more from my sort of psychology uh, uh, study. I learned more about things like um, subliminal influence and stuff like that through advertising persuasion techniques and things. And so, kind of the, the nature of the party pieces I was doing continued and changed. And I. Um, I, I, I used to do these things kind of at lunches with clients because client lunches, frankly, in advertising are really boring. Yeah. Um, obviously, not my clients. My old clients were all great, <laughs> all great. But one of them uh, bullied me into basically doing a show at his conference. Uh, I, I can't say who it was, um, but it was a major car manufacturer um, in Germany. And, <laughs> and, and they just kind of said, you know, we're having a, a conference in hand, but I'm coming to a show. And I've cobbled together, after a lot of kind of effectively being bullied into it, um, I put a show together and I look back at it now and I absolutely cringe. But they loved it. Uh, and it was all very kind of, and I mean, we might as well get this out of the way early because I've never done an interview where this hasn't been name checked back, but it was all very Darren Brown, you know? Okay, right. And all very kind of serious and pretentious. And, um, but, but people loved it. And. Um, I quite enjoyed doing it, and so I did the obvious thing that you do when you've just done one little one off show. Yeah, I booked two weeks into a West End theatre, <laughs> into the Baron Court's theatre, and, uh, and I did a two-week run of the Baron's Court theatre. I didn't even take time off work. I was so mental. Um, and we sold that out, in, in, impossibly, and some stuff came out of that, which um, I had, I was lucky enough to have a, 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 a producer, I think she must have been, from BBC, who worked on the news side of things, who said, um, I'm doing like the BBC News, uh, BBC One New Year's Eve show, which is like their big promo show. Uh, I'd really love to put you on. And she gave me two slots, two ten-minute slots, literally either side of the, the midnight chimes, which was great. And that, 
And I kind of realised I was never going to make as much money as I was in advertising because, trust me, doing what I do does not pay as much as sucking the devil's cock, mm-hmm. which is basic, your basic role in advertising, in advertising is to suck yes. the devil's cock. Um, God bless Bill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, kind of, I just kind of started doing it. But to answer the thing about the comedy, my, my early show, and, uh, you know, if you... Look at a lot of the YouTube clips of me from as a program I did for MCV and some of my own stuff, and a lot of the early stuff was very Darren-esque, you know. And I, I you know, I was influenced. As, the technical term for I is I'm a mentalist. Thanks very much, Partridge. Yes. And most mentalists were heavily influenced by by what Darren did when he invented that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it's very like that. Um, and I just decided after a few years of being pro that I really need clear blue water between me and him and, and the, the roots that I thought was comedy, I was always relatively funny and witty. Uh, and I just worked really, really hard on the comedy angle. Um, and I mean, you've seen the show, it's a funny show. Yeah, it is a yeah. funny show. You are, um, and you it, do your own comparing as well, you compare shows. Don't yeah, you? I, I, as, I, yeah I, I do some stand-up and I, I, I compare at, um, um, a club which comes to this Thursday, if this gets out quickly enough. Um, yeah, this Thursday is the 2nd or 1st, whatever that is. First or second of September, whichever's the Thursday. Yeah. Uh, in Bury St Edmunds in uh, Benson and Blake's amazing lineup. We've got uh, Nathan Caton, we've got Phil Buckley, we've got a local guy called Justin Pank. It's a really good show. It's only six quid, and it's just awesome. So come. Um, That's like every, every month, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, every month. First Thursday of every month, and I'm usually here if I haven't got like a, a real grown-up gig to do. Right. Okay. I come yeah. down and tit around and <laughs> so on. Um, so yeah, I work really hard on the comedy. And I was fortunate enough, I've worked with, um, and it would, it would be churlish to kind of, to, to sort of say, I've been fortunate enough to have contact with some quite big comedians who kind of give me some advice and help me here and there. Um, and yeah, it's something I work, work on still, the, the comedy thing. As a stand-up, I'm, I'm not great, I'm just about competent. Um, with the show, the show's funny, but you know, it's underpinned by the fact that there's really strong mentalism going there, so I can, I, it cuts me a bit of slack. Oh, right, okay, so <laughs> yeah. the, the comedy angle is more incorporated into the show. Absolutely, I mean, that, that's kind of, that's where I would feel, I feel sort of justified and grown up with call, calling myself a, a comedian, if we're talking about like, the main act, mm. as a stand-up, I can do it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so well, you're never going to be massive. Uh, no, no, be. I don't think so, whereas kind of, yeah, but then that's, it's my hobby, whereas the, you know, the... The, the mining acts, the, the main act, and you know, kind of. I mean, we got four stars from the Skinny, which is the um, the kind of primo comedy magazine for the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, in fact, from Scotland, it's the it's, this is the one you want. If you're a comedy act, you want four or five stars from the Skinny, and we got that. And I mean, I've just come back from you know, you might want to talk about but you know, we got. Lots of stars from lots of people. It was really cool. Mm. Actually, let's just sort of skip over a lot of that and go straight to the Edinburgh Fringe because no, this, really? is, yeah, <laughs> this is the big thing at the minute. Because yeah, um, I don't is. know if anybody follows you on Twitter um, at Doug underscore Siegel. Um, you were at the Edinburgh Fringe and you did incredibly well for yourself there, as yeah. far as things go. Um, Big beyond my wildest dreams, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, do you know what? I never thought I'd ever get to this point of saying this, but I almost am tired of talking about myself. <laughs> I never imagined all those words would ever leave my mouth. But um, it was just extraordinary. I mean, it was on the back end. It was the, it was, it was the back end of a 22-day national tour, which is sold out. So we knew we, we had something quite good. Um, but um, we had a 50-seater venue. The, after the third day of being, and we sold out every night anyway. 
But um, after the third night of being there, the, the bus getting round anywhere about the show, every ticket went. Um, so we managed to shove another 10 chairs in there and took the capacity up to 60. And then kind of every night we had so many people turning up, we were shoving between 100 and 120 people in there. I mean, fireworks, forget it. <laughs> Obviously, if anyone official was listening to this, this didn't happen. Um, but, of course, yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, I can show you a photo, it's just terrifying. It's, it, it was kind of beyond standing around, but only people were actually standing in the corridor to watch the show. Uh, the queue for the last night for returns um, was over 140 people in the queue for returns. So it must have been more than that, I think, actually. It was 140 in the bit we could video, and then it was about that again. Um, Neil Gaiman came, which was just amazing. Um, I'm, I don't know about you, I'm a massive Neil Gaiman fan. I have no idea. You have no <laughs> idea. You may no. know you, burn in hell. Um, <laughs> no, Neil Gaiman is, is the best comic book author in the world. Um, oh, yeah, you're a big comic book fan. He, yeah, I'm a massive comic book fan. He, uh, he also wrote lots of books that went into the films and the screenplay below. So he wrote Star, Starlight? Stardust, rather? You had a Stardust movie, was that recently? Uh, Stardust, Stardust. That was Coraline? the one on the boat, wasn't it? No, no, no. Then there was a flying boat movie. Yeah, Adam Buxton was in it as well. I think so, yeah. Yes, um, Coraline, the animated one. Animated Death Girl. Girl. Yeah. Yep. Um, wow. And he wrote Sandman, which is probably the most famous sort of graphic novel that, yeah, trust me. Trust me, let's go downstairs, talk to people, talk to, talk to kids, talk to cool kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> He's also married to Amanda Palmer from Dresden Dogs. No. It's more blank faces. Yeah. But the coolest man in the world came. That's right, something okay. you need to know, Tom. <laughs> and that was pretty awesome. And he said wonderful things about it. He's the most followed man on Twitter. He's got 3.6 million followers on Twitter. Um, and he follows 666 people, which I think is pretty cool. Was that deliberate or? Yeah. yeah Are you cool. one of them? Because, yes, I am. Because he's amazingly cool. Right. Um, and so that was, I mean, that, that, that was enough for me. I could have stopped then. Um, but um, on the on the Ed Twinge, which is the kind of the official, it, it, it crowdsources all of the information being talked about on social media about the shows, and it is really clever algorithm, and it gives everything a karma rating. So it's not just that, the number of people talking about you, but it's what they're saying, the quality of what they're saying, and stuff. And on that, during the time we were there, we were a, a top ten show. We aggregated out of, out of two thousand five hundred sixty-three shows, and so that was. Pretty good. I was quite pleased with that. Um, and you know, kind of the great and the good came to the show, and we were on the centre spread of the Edinburgh News. We were on page three of the Herald, um, and it was insane. It was like being, it was like being. I would imagine like being someone like um, um, Robbie Williams or something. I, 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 I was out flyering every day, and half my flyering time was spent having my photo taken with people. Um, or, you know, I'd, I'd fly the queues, which was a really good way of getting people to come to the show. <laughs> and, and we were really diligent about it. Even once we sold out, we still fly the show. We wanted to keep that buzz going. Mm. Um, but I'd fly the queues, and I'd suddenly have somebody like in, in the queue go, I saw your show yesterday. It was amazing. And then obviously I'd make him tell everyone else. Um, but, <laughs> but, yeah, just the most insane buzz. Um, it's just way, way beyond my wildest dreams. And I'm really... Sort of grateful and humbled by it. I had literally no idea people would like it that much. I hope they would, but so, really humbling thing. Yeah, where can you go from here now, though, is the thing? Well, that's the difficult thing. Um, I mean, the future, lots of stuff being talked about. And the things I've been doing this long enough now, I've been professional doing this for seven years. I've never really chased um, public shows before. I've always tried to just kind of 
just played corporate market and for various reasons which are long and boring uh, I decided hey yeah you know the corporate money market is where the money is but you know a lot of that fell away because of the recession I needed to kind of rebalance that and the whole idea of doing the tour really was just so that I've got something extra sort of the corporate book so if I'm looking at two different acts I've got all my, my collateral ready but I can also say I've done a national tour I never dreamt of being able to say okay, sold out national tour and you know, it was one of the big hits of the fringe. And you I never sold out to Edinburgh. Yeah, I never expected to be able to say that. Um, so there have been meetings with TV companies since I've been back. Um, I don't honestly know if I even want to do. I, I quite like doing guest appearances on something. I've done a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I really want to do something, but there is a serious idea out there, and it is being talked about. I and mean, if it happens, it happens. But I, don't, I mean, it sounds like these but genuinely, I don't really mind. To be honest, I quite like doing guest appearances. And when I'm serious, then that's a lot of weight, you know. Um, yeah, but imagine. But that's an what could happen. Yeah. From the back of that. Like. Yeah. You know, there are good and bad things about that. It's a bit of a poison chalice, I always think. Yeah, that's why. Some people are looking at you, yeah, waiting for you to screw up. Yeah. 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 Um, so you know, that's mm, don't know how I feel about that. But is that uh, what I'm doing, which is really exciting? And if you follow me on Twitter, which is Doug underscore Siegel, S-E-G-A-L, so it's at Doug underscore Siegel, or uh, there's a Facebook fan page which is um, facebook.com forward slash, and all one word, Doug Siegel fan page, easy. Uh, (laughs) If you follow one of those two, I'll be announcing kind of dates and tickets and stuff soon, but I've just booked the Etc. Theatre in... uh, in Camden in London uh, from the 11th to the 16th of October and what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically bring a bit of the fringe there. I'm going to take my act and two, possibly three of the other big breakthrough acts this year and we're going to put them on a little season and you'll be able, there'll be two shows a day and you'll be able to buy a ticket for an individual show, both shows on a day, like a season ticket for all the shows. So there's my show which is, which we took that our show, my, my show's called uh, I Know What You're Thinking and it's, it is a comedy mind-reading show, and you know, it does get comparisons to Darren, but people say it's like Darren, but funny. I mean, you kind of said, imagine if Darren Brown was funny. And uh, but fat, a big, big, wasn't it? Sorry? And fat, I think they said and, as yeah, well. the original quote was, okay. <laughs> the original quote, it's worth knowing that I've lost a stone, okay? Um, but um, the original quote from, it's a quote from a while, it's on this current tour, again, not to reference it, was, uh, imagine if Darren Brown was funny and fat, and then I lost a stone, but I'm still funny. Um, <laughs> You uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the big, big, big point of difference though is with this particular show is I teach the audience how to do it. So I mean, you've seen the show. Uh, yeah. We start with a, a national lottery prediction and kind of go up from there. Mm. Uh, I teach the audience how to uh, tell if people are lying to them. I teach them how to plant um, suggestions. Uh, everybody gets a mind trick they can go home with. And the show closes with a random audience member on stage who I teach how to read the minds of the rest of the audience. And I think that's the bit that people like. So there's my show, there's that. Um, there's an amazing sketch comedy show by some guys called Casual Violence. It's really hard to describe, but it, the best description I can come up with is it's, it's the Boosh meet uh, the Adams family. It's like, it's like a really kind of dark, twisted Boosh. Yeah, that sounds insane. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> And that, uh, that was shortlisted for the Malcolm Hardy uh, Comedy Originality Award at the Fringe, and it also won a Three Weeks Award at the Fringe. That's really cool and amazing reviews. And the other show, Real Change of Pace, that's definitely in the bag for this, 
is, and I love this show, it's just so sweet. Okay, so the other show, which I'm really excited about, is uh, it's absolutely beautiful. It's uh, a couple of comedians, it's Mason Burton, Lizzie Mason, and Juliet Burton, and um, it's just the most wonderful premise. It's a very kind of, um, sort of Danny Wallace challenge kind of thing, you know? And it's, it's done in that kind of PowerPoint comedy style where there's video and stuff. Great Dave Gorman, Dave Gorman came to see the show, he loved it. Okay. Um, and um, basically they're the last two single girls in their peer group. And what they decide to do is to road test all the ways of meeting Mr. Wright from the top 100 rom-coms, and it's called Rom-Com-Com. Right. And, and they actually go out and try them on. I mean, it's something they're not allowed to do, so they, they talk about it, they sort of say, because every single word in it is true, which is wonderful. Um, but so, like, they try to do while you we were sleeping, but no one would let them stay by a coma victim's bed. Um, and, um, and Pretty Woman obviously presented a few problems, so but they kind of got around that. And yeah, and so that's really wonderful, and it got amazing reviews, and there's people talking about doing, making a TV show of that, and um, so that'll be on. And it is, it's going to be wonderful, I'm really excited, so that's the next big project. Um, and that's really exciting, I'm really looking forward to that. That's, that sounds really cool. Um, you said um, you touched on like the lottery prediction kind of thing, and I know it's an obvious question, but... If you can predict Laurie Well, I, kind of, I cover that in the show. I cover that in the show. Wow, it's the first rich. joke in the show. Yeah. <laughs> the first joke in the show. Without wanting to spoil it too much, but the massively simplified version of what happens is I, th- I walk on stage, and you've seen this, I throw six ping pong balls into the audience, uh, cash them. If you caught my stand up, oh, for God's sake, please don't put it in your mouth. It's a souvenir of Thailand. Um, <laughs> they, they shout out um, a number each between 1 and 49, and then I say, um, and they, they remain standing, the six of them. And I say, people say to me, Doug, you're like that Baron Brown guy, less smug and with better hair. Can you predict the lottery? And to those people, I say this. It's Thursday night, I'm playing a pub back room in Edinburgh. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that, that's the reality of it. So, you know, what, what, what actually happens is, it's, it, there's a printed lottery ticket, which is inside an envelope, inside my wallet. I get some on the stage, hand the wallet, he takes the, I mean, you've seen this. He takes the envelope out, and it's genuinely a sealed envelope, we've seen it. And, he takes the, the real lottery ticket out there. I get him to read the numbers of the lottery ticket out. I say, if this guy reads that, your number, sit down. One, two, three, four, five, six people sit down. It's pretty cool. Um, it is impressive to see it. But yeah, I mean, kind of, and was that a little bit of a dude, maybe? I think, right, I think well, that's, that's, that was the problem. Okay. Yeah, so I've always thought that that's the problem with any, uh, any kind of mentalist that does a, an actual prediction of the lottery. And to a further extent, kind of a headline prediction, which again is another classic of genre. And still the problem is, if you could do that, why don't you? And I, I just thought it falls down there. The same, I, I really hate, another classic that's a genre I really hate, is Russian roulette, or those ones where they slam their hands down on spikes, you know, cups over spikes. Because, just to me, if I, if I was an audience member, well, you wouldn't do that night after night on a national tour, unless... It was rigged, yeah. Yeah, unless it was rigged. Why, why, nobody nobody saying would do that. So I just thought that, you know, there's the intrinsic problems here. If you could really predict the lottery, that wasn't just a massive fucking and exposed on YouTube trick. Um, why would you? Why, why would you? Why would you? So I just yeah. thought that. But but obviously, what I'm doing is I'm actually getting you, the guys yeah, in the audience, to predict what I've got on a lottery ticket, which is a, a different premise than it's explained. But um, so I feel kind of very comfortable. And it's it's nice and strong. I mean, you know, but the the opening line after that is, well, now I've got your attention, yeah. um, which was kind of the object. Mm. It is. I, I still can't work out how you've done it. I mean, I've sat and I've analysed what you did, and I can't work out how you do a lot of it. 
But I, but I think it's important to know for people that do want to come to church, I do explain lots of how I do it as I go along. There are some bits, like so I don't really explain, except I would like to think when you go away from the show with the vaguest notion of the tools that I was employing to make that happen, if not the actual step by step. But a lot of the things I do, I break them down as I'm doing it, don't I? You, you, you are yeah. literally coming to me, right, this has just happened, this is why it's just happened. Um, or in some instances, which I don't want to give away, uh, for people who haven't seen the show, just yeah. half the audience see what's going on, the other half, other people don't. Mm. Uh, and, you know, you can kind of see what's happening. And, you know, I try to peel back the curtain, as it were, so people can see kind of the, the machinery working mm. without giving too much the whole thing away. You, I give away enough for people to feel they've got something from it. Like, genuinely, everybody gets a, a mind trick from the show. And the show I'm planning for next year to take to the fringe. I've got the most amazing new trigger I'm going to give everyone. So, I mean, because it's going to be, it's not going to be a complete reboot, but it's probably going to be version, uh, version 1.3, you know? Um, yeah. Um, so that some things will come out of the show, some brand new things will come in, some other things will be redressed and just blown up. And all going well, if all the plans come off that are supposed to happen, there'll be video screens and live cameramen and it's going to be really high-tech and exciting. Mm-hmm. So how do you actually plan, or how do you actually come up with new tricks? I just make it up on the spot. You just make it up on the spot? No, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> if you're planning a show already, you obviously can't. What I do is, um, my, my girlfriend's brilliant on this. Uh, uh, you'll notice I often use sort of, we, I say we, we achieve this, and that's because, you know, in many ways, like my girlfriend works on the show as kind of, I suppose, road manager, uh, PA, and also at the very early stages, She'll often give me ideas, um, either for an individual effect or just a theme, perhaps, through the show. You know, previous shows I've done have kind of, for example, focused on childhood, and that was her idea. And, you know, so she'll come up with an idea and say, wouldn't it be great if you could do something about... So there's, there's an effect I don't do anymore, it's not in the show anymore, for various reasons. But it's a crappy effect, which is, uh, it's based on Big Brother. And basically what I do is I have... Um, nine photographs on the, on the, on the board and um, on a board and I, I throw a bear out to the audience to get random people and everybody, I, I talk about how kind of people are influenced. We, we think that when we're voting on these reality TV shows that they're free, fair choices but in reality, kind of, you know, they, they edit the footage, they let you see the bits they want to see to make you like one person or not another and you know what I say, say I'm, I'm going to influence your decisions here. Uh, a bear gets thrown to the audience, gets thrown around a few times to listen around people, and then one at a time, people, they catch the bear and, and evict somebody from the house. They say who they want out of the house, and why, and we have a few laughs and japes about it, <laughs> and, and that photo gets taken off the board and ends up in a pile, and you end up with like a pile of uh, eight photographs of evicted celebrities, and one celebrity photo left on the board. And then I put the photos back on the board, but face down, as it were, and you can see printed across the back of each of them, it says evicted. And I turn around the final one that was left on there and it says uh, winner. Yeah. And, and basically that came from, from my, my partner Sophie saying, well, why don't you do something based on reality TV? And kind of just exploring that thread. And then, and then coming up with the idea of wouldn't it be great to do kind of a, a Big Brother based uh, effect? What would be really cool? It would be really cool if the audience evicted them and it turned out to be the one, the one the winner was one I wanted to and there would be a reveal. And, and the method that I've just described to you there was actually, I mean, it was in my act for a long time, that, that, and it was a trademark effect, and I only dropped it completely, I suppose, probably about a year or so ago. Um, but that, that was kind of the third or fourth version of it, the way I've just described it just now. 
and it's kind of the perfect version. So a lot of it is kind of, the effects are quite organic, but I'll start with what, what do I want to happen? And then I'll work backwards to work out how to make that happen, if that makes sense. Yeah, it completely does. Um, on the thread of reality TV shows and Big Brother, do you think, um, if you get big enough, although you seem to be getting there as it is now, that you'll ever sort of sell your soul again, having come out of advertising and going to one of these... Um... I, I turn, every year I get asked to be fast-tracked on the Britain's Got Talent, and every year I turn it down. They have not printed enough money <laughs> to buy my integrity. Um, these things are dreadful. I hate them. I, in, in my stand-up set, I do five minutes about reality TV. I'm, I'm slightly obsessed with it in the way that... Everyone is. But, but by obsessed... Yeah, but, but kind of... The way I'm obsessed with it is... I for me, it's a bit like watching a rat do card tricks. It's not very nice or entertaining, but you can't look away. Mm. Um, <laughs> or maybe juggle feces. Yeah. Um, but, um, I hate them. I hate them on, on a billion levels. I hate the fact that they're keeping... For a start, what we're doing is we're seeing amateurs performing frequently badly on TV in slots where professionals could be performing. I don't like it for that reason, yeah? It's keeping talent off TV. Mm. It's keeping professionals, people that have gone out and worked at their craft off TV. It sends out the message that you don't have to work, you don't have to practice, you don't have to bust your balls like I've done all year to be successful. You just enter a competition. That's not a good message to be sending out. Uh, the other thing is nobody wins them. The only people that win them are maybe the eventual winner and Simon Cowell. Yeah. Yeah? Because I couldn't name you any, Leona Lewis, any person can think of any reality TV. Alexandra Burke. Yeah. But you'd struggle. It's been going for 10 years. I bet you couldn't, you couldn't name... And with both those series, we're running about 10 years, you've got to name 20 of them. No way. No, <laughs> don't watch it. And, and, you know, these people barely have careers, some of them, you know. Even the big names barely have careers. Yeah, no, with respect they, to them. To be fair, um, they don't look for careers now, do they? They're looking for a fast track. To celebrities. Yes. That's a different thing from, from, from a career. Right. Right? And you're right. And I don't like that either. I think that's a, that's a very negative aspiration to have. Um, and so, I, I don't know, the message it gives out, um, I don't like the way that... People are humiliated on it, and the way who are these people that let their friends go on every year, knowing they can't sing, and let them do? These aren't their friends. That's horrible. Why did they do that? Um, you know, so I'm really, really, I hate, I'm really like that. I hate it with such a passion. I can't, can't Stop tell you. It. Um, I can't. Tell, I mean, I, 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 I will occasionally watch the early things. But I just hate everything about it. I and mean, you know, if we focus down on on Xpass, what I hate about that is what they frequently do is find somebody with a modicum of talent who evidently can't be bothered to go out and get get and just work and do gigs and build up. You know, can't bother with that. I'll yeah. just go for a shortcut and, and then just make them completely anodyne. You know, the other reason you can't you can't remember any of the winners of this is they're all the same mm. because they might have come into it with some personality, but they just have that ground out of them and end up with this bland. Uniform product. That's awful. It's really awful. Get it off of my TV now. Genuinely really, angry. It's, it's great TV, <laughs> but I think it's really, really bad for, for the entertainment industry. I think it's an appalling thing in the entertainment industry. It stops people making a living, it tells them the wrong thing about what's a correct career path, and it ruins a lot of great acts. Mm. That's what I think. That's what you think. So, so yeah, I'd love to do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
Soul is sold. Imagine then you are the controller of ITV mm-hmm. and you have to come up with a Saturday night programme. Um, this is improvising here. You have to come up with the Saturday night um, schedule. What would you do? Topless darts. Topless darts. <laughs> Wait, we're, we're the topless men darts. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be topless. Basically, big, hairy, sweaty men. Naked from the waist up. Okay, yeah, cool. Playing dance. Would you um, introduce what drinking would I, do, what would I, do, I think what I would like to see is... I'd like to see more light entertainment. I'd like to see more variety. I think what's really interesting is that if you look at what's really happening out there in the entertainment world, um, cabarets taken off in a big way. And there are lots of fantastic cabarets, incredibly talented people, many of whom I know, again, uh, if you're listening, Matt Ricardo, Good man, uh, um, who, who, who slate um, the, these reality TV shows and won't touch them with a barge pole. Uh, incredibly talented people, doing brilliant, brilliant work, uh, week in, week out in, in variety slots. Let's put an old fashioned variety show on. You know, it doesn't have to be old fashioned style either, it could be cool. I don't know if you've ever been to any of the sort of modern cabaret stuff. Like and stuff, stuff like that. Well, you probably not your embarrassing evidence, and there isn't one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let's not get into that. But, uh, but you know, there's some amazing, amazing acts out there. And you know, the people doing this circuit, people like whom I don't know if you know these people, like people like Piff the Magic Dragon. Do you know that? Oh, no. <gasps> wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful act. Um, it's a grumpy man in uh, a dragon costume made out of a sleeping bag. Um, and it's just the best act ever. I just, I have a wonderful, wonderful act. Um, but it's, it, it kind of, it's uh, a cross between Jack D and Tommy Cooper, um, but really cool, really kind of very much now. Um, he has a tiny, ch- he has a chihuahua dressed as a dragon, what more do you need? Um, but you know, acts like that, there's an amazing juggler called uh, Matt Ricardo, an incredible show at Edinburgh. Um, there's some circus people I know called um, uh, Fred Knott, there's uh, 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 Amelie Soleil, there's an incredible contortion act where she ends up in a jar. I mean, I, I'm miming now because I can't do a jar. I think it's about like a foot, a foot <laughs> wide by one foot high. Um, her partner there's a guy called Ed Muir who does the most incredible Chinese pole act. These people should be should be on TV on Saturday, aren't you? And and then you've got people like Tricity Vogue who does like the ukulele cabaret, um, um, just incredibly funny acts and, and people like uh, again acts. I urge go go and find these people. Go out and see them. People like Mr B, the gentleman rhymers and acts I absolutely adore. Um, imagine rap being done by. Um, by um, someone from Jeeves and Worcester, like Bertie Jeeves and Worcester. Right. Uh, just incredible, incredible, incredibly funny. It has been absolute stitches. These people should be on a Saturday night. Um, instead of, well, I come from Cleckheaton and I've been playing guitar for a week and I, I thought I'd like to do is come on here and maybe you can make me a star. Why, why is that on my TV? You know? Because um, it's sort of like a national... We would just love to get it up and just absolutely, hate absolutely right. these but people. It's keeping, it's keeping, keeping real entertainment off. Oh, off. Why aren't you doing this? Propose it. Go to BBC Three. Uh, well, let's be. But bearing in mind, I do still have to remain friends with the uh, programmers of these things. Yeah. There, there are reasons why programmers and schedulers um, like certain things. Um, but you know, you ask me, you know, to play a hypothetical game. What would I put on? That's what I put on. I'd do that. I'd keep more great drama. I am. Um, 
desperately sad that the BBC is under attack. Uh, the BBC invented TV, invented the standards for TV, and produces some of the best TV in the world. The only reason they have reality TV shows is because people go, we are hearing figures aren't as good as ITV, why aren't they? Because they're not trying to sell advertising space. Mm. They're trying to produce quality TV, and that's their sop to them. Um, they produce amazing programming, and people, I can't believe people kind of begrudge them the licence fee. And compare the cost of licence fees to the cost of Sky TV. And then how much of Sky TV that you watch is actually BBC output. Yeah. <laughs> um, just extraordinary. Um, you know, and, and like they talk about acting BBC4, just no. Mm. Just don't do it. You know, and I, I kind of, I really believe that if you only ever feed people on hamburgers, they'll never understand why... You know, a, gr- a well, great piece of French, know. a great piece of French cuisine is great because they've never tasted it. And they've all, you know, all you talk about is the graduation between hamburgers. You know, if mm. people aren't exposed and allowed um, to see more, then then they'll only understand. It's the it's the it's the, the horrible experiment that people did years ago, where you raise a cat in a box that only has vertical lines, and then when you take it out, it sees horizontal lines and falls over. Yeah, trust me. Um, you know, it's that thing. You don't allow people access to these things. How can they know? Um, yeah. Oh, it's getting all very passionate. It's all getting passionate. We started off by saying yeah. it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> and now the news is an attack on everything. No. It's not an attack. It's not an attack. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I said you've worked with BBC and so forth. You've actually worked for some really hard, done a bit of research into this. Mm. You've worked for some quite high up people, um, MTV, AOL, BBC, Apple. Have you ever got free stuff? From, can you get free stuff? I have never, I ever got a, got a freebie from any of my clients, and this burns me to have my soul. <laughs> no, it just doesn't happen. The thing about the corporate market is, it, it really is. It, it's all done on a very commercial basis, which is they are paying you to go and do your show, and that, that's the deal. Mm. So yeah, it would be lovely if kind of you know you went along and did the Apple conference like I did and walked away with an arm full of eye gadgets yes. but no it just doesn't happen it doesn't happen it doesn't happen you get your fare your accommodation and your fee and that's it which is a terrible right. terrible like show to waiver your fee for <laughs> product well you could do you see the great thing about money is you can swap it for products yeah, or food yeah, yeah. we could be really yeah. <laughs> it gives you what money gives you options in a way that an iPad doesn't iPad's <laughs> rubbish I would never buy an iPad anyway Personally, uh, have you got one? I got one just the other day. <laughs> <laughs> the two or the one? Two. Yeah. Two. Oh, right, okay, well, Edinburgh Fringe must have been it's, all right it's, then. It's a tool, it does what it does. It does what it does. Are you an Apple user? No, not at all. I, I, I'm, I'm a died in the wall PC man. PC man, all right, yeah. you're slowly selling it. Oh, is that an iPhone? Yeah. Yeah. Slowly selling your soul then. To... Yeah, slowly joining Jobs Drone Army. Oh, Drone Jobs is gone. I know, and do you know, he announced that. Within an hour of me complaining about how hard it was to set my iPad up on iPad up on Twitter, you I'm not, that. Oh, yeah, uh, you, that was me basically. You have killed off Apple. That is that is consumer pressure in action. Well done, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> you I bought a collapse of a multi-billion pound <laughs> company <laughs> by pitching. It wasn't. It's not even that hard. You plug it into iTunes. Oh, just, I was fighting with it. Fighting. With right. It. Okay. Are you, are you like a technophobe? No, I'm, like, I'm no. I'm really, really not. I'm. I, I live and breathe technology. Um, it was just, you know, kind of how sometimes iTunes is really glitchy. 
Yes. Yeah, I had to download an update for it, which I didn't want to download. And let's get technical for a moment. Go I, at one point, I had to start my PC in safe mode. Oh, that's all I'm saying. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you said it all a bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate iTunes. It was ugly. Actually. It's it such a mess nowadays. Um, yeah, you're quite um, technical, tech, techy, um, but you're almost geeky in a way, with your, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying, no, 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 with your love geeky. and your passion of the comic books. I so love We've comic kind books. of touched on it briefly. Batman Live. Specifically, well, well we shouldn't talk about Batman Live. Talk about Batman sued. Live. We can't we won't we'll get, get sued. sued. Go on, say what you said. On, no, you've already put it in the public sphere. <laughs> Absolutely. You tried to start hate. I've deleted a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was very passionate about it. Uh, what we should say, first of all, is how much I love Batman. Um, I breathe Batman. <laughs> Um, the earliest photograph of me is me aged four clutching a Batman collector's card right. me and the, the bat has been in my life longer than anyone else I once absolutely seriously and I've never been forgiven for this had to make a list of the ten most important people in my life and Batman was in the top five where was your dad? <laughs> it, was, it was a work thing and, was, and I was answering seriously but oh. I wasn't saying it for effect <laughs> Who was your top five then? No, 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 we're not. Exclusive. <laughs> top five. Batman was number. We're not doing it. <laughs> but, um, oh. but so like, I do feel quite passionate about Batman. And when Batman Live was announced, my girlfriend said, you're going to hate this. It's going to be panto. It's going to be songs and dances. It's going to be horrible. Don't do it. And I was like, but it's Batman Live. So I went to it knowing... But it wasn't going to be aimed at me. I knew it was going to be aimed at kids. And, and you know, I went with that expectation. I watched a lot of the Adam West stuff before I went. And yes, whilst I am, I am very much in the Frank Miller, Dark Knight Returns camp. This is Batman for me. For Bernie, Batman is the interesting thing that Chris Nolan picked up on in the last, in the last movie is he got the, the duality of that Batman is that the only difference between Batman and the villains is that Batman's particular psychosis happens to be useful to society. He's just as dark and twisted and mental as the Joker. And he and the Joker are just opposite sides of the same coin. And you know, that movie was very much about those two facets fighting for the soul of Harvey Dent. That's what that movie was about. Um, but, um, but I... Um, are we being interrupted again? No, no, no. Okay. So, kind of, but, but, you know, I can still appreciate things like, you know, I'll even watch the, 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 I'll even watch Batman and Robin. I'll even watch that movie. That's how much I love Batman. Right. Um, and that's a turkey. Oh, God. That, yeah. Was that the one with uh, Poison Ivy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awful. Oh, I'll even watch that and love it, okay? God. I'll even watch that and love it because I love Batman. I think you're great. And, and, and I, spent, <laughs> I spent a lot of time watching the old Adam West stuff to prepare me for Batman Live. So I was kind of... I went in there with low expectations. So what I should say about Batman Live is this. The set is incredible. Absolutely incredible. The set pieces as pieces of spectacle are incredible. There's an amazing IMAX wall which is going to be 20 foot wide by 40 foot, 20 foot high by 40 foot wide. Uh, so used incredibly cleverly um, in the shape of the bat symbol at the back. It's, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. What's desperately disappointing is what goes on in front of that is bad pantomime, you know? And, and the fact is, that's the easy bit to fix for me. That's why I was so disappointed. Oh, and, so and, and, right and, you know, I read a review the other day that said the same thing, although they still gave it eight, eight points, eight, eight stars, eight stars out of ten. Um, eight out of ten, God knows why, but they said exactly the same thing, which is my issues were Batman was reduced to a bit player in it, 
I don't know if it was the actor or what, but he was just a little grey speck on the stage with no presence or character at all. And that's the only thing you've got to get right for me. And surely in a show called Batman Live, just getting Batman right is all we need to do. Anything else is a bonus. It doesn't matter how spectacular it is. The first time you see Batman is when he's, and I hope you can hear the inverted commas in my voice here, when he is swooping down from the rooftops to, uh, to confront Catwoman. Except he's on a wire, and the wire work is so slow. It's like he's drifting down like a grey great snowflake. And that's just not acceptable. And then the first of three fights, he, so he moves really, really clunkily and woodenly, and that's, Batman's a ninja. He moves fluidly, you know? And they had this fight routine. Again, can you hear the vote? Yeah, you can. Um, and it's, it's, I've done stage fighting, it's bad. And I've looked at someone who did it, and it's, it's a really real respected stage fighter that's done it. I don't know why it's gone wrong. Again, I'm in a minority, I appear to be one of the only two people that feel this has gone wrong. Um, but you know, kind of stage fighting, the punches are meant to miss each other by about a foot, not five foot, yeah? And, and they did this kind of thing, it was like House of Flying Daggers fight, where kind of they were supposed to be weaving around and wild, but the wild it was so slow that it just looked like they're just moving. It didn't look like they're recoiling, they're being kicked yeah. away. They were just sort of slowly drifting. drifting from one side of the set to another, so that was bad. Then the next scene, brilliant, brilliant effect in that a giant, uh, it's a confrontation with a joker, a giant joker head comes into the set. It looks amazing. And you realise, again, brilliantly, the hair and the teeth are actually the joker's henchmen who then drop off. They're armed with bow sticks, which they then proceed to do a dance routine with. Right? And there's too, there's too, there's too much surface padding as well. There's a lot of surface stuff in there, and it's just padding. It's not great surface either. For example, they do um, the Flying Graysons, Flying Grace is a flying trapeze act. They do it single trapeze. Why? Why would you do that? I don't know. That makes no sense to me. And it, it, it's it's very, very pedestrian um, uh, surface that they fill it with. So that's an issue for me. So this middle, this middle dance, this middle fight sequence is just a dance sequence. And they've given Batman no direction, so he just stands there twitching like a grey plank of wood being twanged at one end for, for literally 20 seconds. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but on stage, 20 seconds is a really long time. And then, again, there's this choreographed dance routine, which is the fight. This, come on! It's Batman. You know, it's Batman! <laughs> I'm not looking, I mean, I'm not looking for the ultra-violence in, in the recent kind of uh, Schneider uh, Watchmen. I'm not looking for that. But just, just the Adam West level would be fine. And again, the final fight scene is an actual fight scene. But it's done with so little commitment from the actors. And again, so the blows, they're meant to miss each other by a foot on stage, missing by like five feet. I mean, these guys are barely, barely breathing the same air, you know. Uh, and it's just done with so little <laughs> conviction. It was just, just, oh, disappointing. Really disappointing. And I wanted to love it. Please understand that if you're listening to people from Batman Love. I desperately wanted to love it. And all you had to do was get Batman right. And I don't think that's too big an ask in a show called Batman Live. I feel, I feel like I'm broken you now. <laughs> I like, there's only a light question. And, uh, this is from, um, this is a Twitter question now, because I did put this out on Twitter, from X 7 Okay. Um, you might have tweeted her, I don't know. But she asked Wolverine or Batman, 
and why. Oh, but I'm assuming it's Batman. Batman obviously. Obviously. Uh, why? Because, as I say, for me, Batman's just such this fascinating character. And there's also this thing, and to a lesser degree with Wolverine, but I always talk a lot about kind of uh, Superman versus uh, Batman and what's the big difference. The difference is you can never be Superman. Anyone could be Batman. All you've got to do is work hard enough. Anyone could be Batman. You won't necessarily want to because he's a dark and twisted soul. As is Walter in his own way, has his own tortures. He's a great character, I agree. Uh, but yeah, fundamentally, I am, I'm DC all the way, not Marvel. Um, controversial, I know, but that's the facts. Yeah, Batman's just a more compelling, more real character for me. So you think, um, you going back to Adam West and all that kind of thing. Christopher Nolan, has he done the right thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Christopher Nolan for me, that Batman, that's what it's all about. Oh, that's what I've been waiting for, what, for years. Yeah. For years. Don't, but, but all I was trying to do was when I was talking about, because I don't want people to think I'm really hammering this show. <laughs> but <laughs> you were at the time. No, 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 I was following no, 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 that. I was upset, but understand that my expectation levels were really low. Yeah, kind of. I embrace, even for me, the dog end of Batman is things like the Adam West thing. I embrace that. I love that. Didn't do that. If, 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 I, if I just show the screen and just show comics on it, I'd love that because the screen was incredible. But you've got to get Batman right mm, in a show called Batman. It's like having a show called James Bond live and then James Bond turning up in a clown suit and waddling around squirting people with water pistols. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Completely it's the only bit you have to get right. And they didn't. They, yeah. they screwed it completely up. Was it expensive? Yeah, and that was the other thing that really annoyed me. Uh, it cost us a hundred quid. Jesus, I saw Coldplay fire rays on the front for that. Yeah, it cost us a hundred quid. I was so disappointed. I can't begin to tell you. Well, I have told you in great detail. Yeah, yeah, it's about a <laughs> ten minute rant about how annoyed. Actually, do you say rant or rant? Rant. Rant. I say so, that yeah. because that's English. Can you just... Say that a bit closer, because everyone's is, I is say rants. No, well, everybody. Really? Rant. 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 Like ant with an R in front of it. Rant. Yeah, it's an easy way to tell. They have these books called dictionaries that have pronunciation guides in them. And then you can say, yeah. actually, <laughs> oh no. I can't remember what I said now, because I think I corrected myself, but I think I used to say rant or rant. I don't, it doesn't matter. Clearly anymore. rant. Clearly <laughs> rant, yeah. And is it mayor or mayor? Mayor. Because um, it's, it's as, in, a as in the mayor of Ca- Castlebridge, Mayor Quimby. Okay, like as that, in yeah. as in the person that has yeah, yeah, yeah. in charge Status, of town. Yes, it's mayor. 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 Oh, yeah. but oh, wait a minute. I've got a problem here. I've got my Eastern accent kicks in because I I can't say. You know the the really really um, somewhat right wing and reactionary national newspaper, the Daily News and M. Yeah, I can't say that properly because I come from the East End and it betrays me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say so. It's the Daily Mail, but I normally say mail. Mail. <laughs> so don't get me started on that one, it's too oh, tricky. No, I think you can just say shit <laughs> and cover it perfectly fine. I hate the mail with a passion. Um, sorry, you'll start me off on a rant if you... Um, I said rant. rant. Rant is my... It's rant. Yeah, rant. <laughs> yeah, you start me off on a rant. Um, you mentioned the right wing. Where do you stand on the spectrum of politics? Um, oh, in a complicated place. Broadly speaking, if I have to actually just come up with something, um, I guess I am... I'm a left-winger, I guess. Um, I, but I, I feel that those are fairly unhelpful uh, positions. I just kind of think... I find it unimaginable that anybody would not 
feel it's appropriate that society should help the people less able to help themselves. I guess that, that, that I just I find it incomprehensible. What kind of person thinks no? Sure. It's just not horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? And but you know what? Well, I equally think life is more complicated than a lot of people on the left make it out to be, and there are harsh realities. Um, but and it's really weird. Kind of all the way through, we had this amazing period of prosperity under Labour, and all the way through that, I thought I was becoming quite compared to where I was, quite right wing. And the second the stories came back in, I realised I wasn't. It's just the world had got better and suddenly yeah. it got dark again. Um, <laughs> the sun has gone in. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that answers it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was your first job? Uh, my very first job was stacking shelves in a warehouse because uh, my, my life has been one <laughs> long... Basically, I took a wrong turn. Um, <laughs> early on and it took me years to get back to this point. Um, I kind of decided to, uh, to I, I kind of did, did the education thing and then I decided I wasn't going to do anything with that and so I got a job stacking shelves in a factory. And, um, and you, came out, you came out of uni with a degree in yeah, psychology yeah, yeah. and just Chased couldn't be bothered. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then I realised quickly that that wasn't going to work out. Um, and so I got a job in tele-sales, which was hideous. And then um, I applied for what I thought was going to be a better job in tele-sales um, for a national newspaper. Because I went to work for national newspapers. And I went to work for national newspapers. And then they got me out of tele-sales into um, proper big grown-up boy advertising sales. And then from there I jumped the fence and went to uh, work in an ad agency. And then stayed in an ad agency. And then gave it all up to be a clown with a pen and pen on yeah. stage, titting around <laughs> with, with, yeah. with ping pong balls and lottery tickets. <laughs> what? What better way to sort of live your life? <laughs> do you have like no other job at the minute? No, this, this is, is this, this is what this, you this do. This is what I do. This but you only have like shows at night every so often or something. That's right. Well, you know, certainly the model is model initially was don't work very often, work for a lot of money. But you know. My, my business model, back when the corporate world was good, was to do 50 shows a year, you know, and that, if I was just getting the, the corporate, the corporate uh, money again, if there was that much of it out there still, that's what I would be doing in many ways. Um, and, you know, I mean, you've got to bear in mind that I'm actually having my best year ever since I went pro this year. Uh, I'm really, really busy against the backdrop of having done this national tour, but this national tour has been, you know, a, a seven-day-a-week job. I've had, I took a week before I came back from the fringe, but up to that point, I've had three days off this year. I just worked it solidly, and the tour broke even. Six months work, and I broke even. It's important to mention that you aren't represented by anybody. Yeah. And this is all you. You are just doing me, the work for just you. Just me working like a dog. Like a dog. <laughs> well, they have plenty of time to sort of sit on Twitter. Well, you know, Twitter in many ways is part of that, you know. Um, I think a lot of people misunderstand how uh, social media fits in the marketing stream. And the way it fits is not kind of continually just banging out messages. It's talking to people, getting people interested, you know. And that's kind of a lot of what I spend my time doing, you know. So would you, do you prefer Twitter and Facebook? Then? Yeah, uh, I keep Facebook going. And it works. Facebook's about kind of announcements. Twitter's about engagement, I think. Yeah. You know? I, I don't get Google Plus, and I, I'm worried that I don't get Google Plus, but it doesn't quite work. It feels something like it's trying to be everything at once. Um, I've got Google Plus on a, at my um, Gmail account because mm-hmm. 
my app's domain doesn't work with it, which is rubbish, yeah. it's okay. I can't quite see the appeal. I think if there were more people on it, it would be fantastic. Maybe that's what's wrong. I don't know. But it There's feels like it's trying to be somewhere between Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, I think And I actually think that those two things do two different jobs. So mm. I don't know if I want Twitter's the live. Although I think Google in their own right are trying to sort of create their own ecosystem. Yeah, I'm not quite sure all... what it is, though. No, I'm not sure what it is because they're, they're, they are predominantly a search engine. Mm. And then they've released a plethora of different services and now Google Plus is kind of part of it. I, don't, I, well, don't I think they're trying, they're trying to get communications. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do but then they're just failing at it really. Um, we'll move on to some more miscellaneous questions that were tweeted by people who obviously weren't taking this particularly seriously. Uh, first of all, I didn't write their names down, but Pepsi or Coke? <laughs> this is bizarrely, bizarrely yeah. I do actually have a preference and that's for Pepsi Max good I hate I hate uh, full fat versions of drinks not because I've lost lots of weight I, I've always hated them they're too sweet for me and Pepsi Max is on the money fantastic I'm so glad you said that because I to, agree if they, if, if obviously if Pepsi, if Pepsi Max would like to sponsor my tour next year I'm there right to them that's the first thing you need to do, just invite and contact people and <laughs> flood them with hundreds of emails, <laughs> begging and pleading. Like, have you heard of um, the bloke who wants to get handsome to play at his wedding? No. Oh, well, basically his um, fiance wants handsome to play at their wedding, and his... Surely, surely that's a red light, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> surely, surely, the, if, if your partner wants handsome to play at your wedding, this should be telling you you shouldn't be getting married. Yeah. Perhaps, I don't know. But the alternative was Wheaters, who have already said they would play at the wedding. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's sent a video to Hanson every day since he like engaged, and I think that's been about 58 days so far. Yeah, he's, he's not going to get them play, he's going to get a restraining order. Apparently, apparently they're interested. That's really? The thing. Yeah. They haven't had a lot of press recently. No, I was going to say, I, I, until him, I, hadn't even know, I didn't know who they were, so <laughs> maybe it's all a big ploy. I don't mm. know. Mm. Bot. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, God, a lot of these, I don't know why I copied and pasted them in because they're so bad. Um, on Twitter to my mum, you said that you could cure spider phobias. I can. How can I, you well, do I that? can do that because um, I use some, I, I don't hypnotise anyone during my show at all. It's really important that everyone understands that. It's really, really important. But I do use some of the skills from hypnosis within the context of the show. And so there's a bit of bleed over. And I just kind of found myself about five, six years ago in a position where I'd get off stage and everyone would say, can you stop me smoking? And I'd say no. And every time I said no, that was like 350 quid disappearing because that's what people will charge you to stop smoking. And it just occurred to me that, well, maybe if I trained as a hypnotherapist, then maybe I could. And I did that. And that in turn actually meant that I found there was more stuff I didn't know about hypnosis, um, which is again fed into the lane now, and that's great, but it means that I am actually a fully qualified hypnotherapist, so yes, I can. It's <laughs> the very simple answer. Okay, and how much would you charge? Oh, we should talk about that afterwards. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, final question, because we've, we've, we've done quite well in terms of talking. Um, you have so many websites. I have a lot of websites. I don't know. What, There's a lot of reasons why I have a lot of websites. One, I have a lot of websites. I really want to. Um, I have a lot of websites. I'm going to amalgamate them into two. I have a lot of websites My because, um, I mean, I said I'm kind of quite uh, techie, um, and, but that's, that's been a, pro, a process. You have to understand, I used to work 
in the corporate world where there was an IT department always. So six years ago when I went pro, I went out and I spent a lot of money on having what at the time was a state-of-the-art website. Um, you know, my main website is a cracking Flash website. In hindsight now, everybody knows Flash is not really where it's at. Yeah. HTML. So HTML is what it's about, and you know, even more than that. So from you know, um, so I've got a website that's out of date with photos and the eight stone heavy, uh, and it's good. But I needed to put a new TV up, so I've put as a little site I've got, which has just got my TV work on it, um, because I was able to build that myself very quickly and simply. And then I've got another site uh, which is just for the tour. I know what you're thinking. And then, yeah, it's, yes, yes, come and, come and have a look at it. It's www.iknowwhatyouarethinking.com. Uh, and that will remain kind of, I suppose, my, my public website. And then I've got a corporate website, which is just on a, on a, on a uh, sort of screwy uh, URL at the moment, just while I'm building it. And, you know, the thing that stopped me building it is that I had a national tour. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, and that eventually will replace DougAtDougSea.com as my kind of corporate website. So it will be kind of rationalised. And that's got all the new TV and stuff. And I've, again, I've got another TV appearance in, uh, I think it's November on, uh, I really love this. It's, it's actually a kids' show, but all the cabaret guys want to be on it. It's called The Slammer. Have you ever come across The Slammer? Is this the one where they have to like perform to get out of prison? Yeah, it's awesome. Oh my God, you're not going in there. Awesome. I've done it, mate. Oh, it's awesome. brilliant. Oh, sold out. No, not at all. <laughs> All the cabaret people, all the cool, really credible cabaret people are queuing up. The, when I was on there, there were two acts from the Circus of Horrors on there. Okay. Yeah? You yeah. just pitch it slightly differently because you're on the kitchen stage. But, I mean, for me, it was just like, I wanted to do it because all my mates were doing it. It's fun. And also, I get some thin footage because I make stone heavier and all my other footage. It looks like my older, my older uh, fatter brother. Yeah, um, I, I was going to say, I've looked for your YouTube thing. I, I, I could not, I didn't recognise you. I know. I did a gig, it was a repeat gig for a uh, big corporate client, I won't say who, and I turned up and uh, there was this huge screen with a, with a production of, of, yeah. of, of like me, and I looked nothing like it, and I thought, I've got to deal with this. So if you can imagine in my mind's eye, I walk out stage to the centre spot, glance behind me and look up at, the, at this, this image, look back to the audience and say, hello, I'm Doug Siegel, I'm a mind reader, I look back at the image, I look back at the audience, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, well done. I look back again, I look at them again and say, it's like Doctor Who. I'm the same character, I'm just being played by a different actor. Oh, right. Amazing, well amazing action coming on. But yeah, I mean, it, really, it does feel like that sometimes. Um, it really does. <laughs> it feels like I've regenerated. Um, so yeah, so um, yeah, I get thin footage and that's all good, so that'll be going up there. And uh, yeah. Diet tips then. Diet tips, put less in your mouth. Is that it? That's it. Eight stone. Yeah. So, um, if anybody goes, although I don't know if you want to replicate this, and look at Doug Siegel's, some of his old videos, and then go to www.youtube.com forward slash Tom Innes, and look at him now, <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> He's honest to God. I'm actually a franchise. The second owner of the franchise, yeah. Wow, it, it is incredible. Um, Doug, I think we're all but finished here, but I'm trying to sort of Bizarre. introduce this as a kind of feature. Have you got advice for the kids? The kids? The kids. <laughs> That's yeah. the most broadest question I've ever asked. Uh, what do you think about people. everything? Everything, yes. <laughs> Go for it. All right, advice for the people who need guidance. The young, the... Um... Um, don't burn stuff, right? Yeah. Don't burn stuff. 
If you want stuff, work. Don't burn it. Yeah. I just think it's incredible that we, you know, over right, this year we've had, we've had the Arab Spring where people have took to the streets and they've fought against corrupt governments to reclaim a sense of pride, a sense of dignity in their human rights. In, in Libya right now, people have invaded Tripoli and they've forced out, they've taken to the streets, they've forced out a corrupt ruler to regain their civil rights and liberties. Uh, meanwhile, in Tottenham, people have taken to the streets and broken into Argos, isn't it? Grow up! Yeah. Grow <laughs> up! Oh, because you weren't. Were you actually in... Oh, I was in Edinburgh. It was horrible. It really upset me. Because uh, I'm from did. London. I love London. Um, right. And it upset me immensely. But, but yeah, it's back to what I was saying about reality TV. Nobody owes you anything. You don't get anything by winning a lottery or stealing. Yeah, you get out there and just work. And the amazing thing is, I mean, I, th I think, you know, and this is absolutely true, I grew up in almost Dickensian poverty. I lived in uh, council, council houses until I left home and had a job. Um, I, the, for genuinely true, the first place I lived in was, was the very last uh, Victorian slum tenement in London to be pulled down. Um, and there were... Uh, eight of us living in two rooms, and by that I don't mean two bedrooms and then everything. So I mean two rooms. There was a bedroom and there was a kitchen living area, and we shared a bathroom with eight other families. Just bloody work. <laughs> it's, it's, it's simple. You can get anything you want. All you have to do is decide you want to go out and get it, and just do just do the work. Just That's do it. the work. Just do the work. Oh, zoomed out the wrong way, and I've got a really really close shot of your face. <laughs> <laughs> To do the work, kids. That's that's all Doug's saying, really. Thank you very much, Doug. Thank you. Do you oh anything you want to plug? We can now do this. Uh, I think I've plugged everything. Yeah, you've plugged ever, everything. Ever, I know, but if we just sort of all <laughs> then one thing. Um, just uh, just yeah, go onto facebook.com forward slash Doug Siegel fan page, or go on to or follow me on Twitter at, at Doug underscore Siegel, and uh, come and see the show in London because that's where it's going to be public next, and it'll be really cool. Okay, thank you very much. Thank Doug. you. Hello again, that was the Doug Siegel interview, thank you for listening, I hope the echo wasn't too annoying for you, although you did make it through, so obviously you persevered, congratulations and well done, I hope you found it worth it, because I loved interviewing him. If you haven't already, please press subscribe in iTunes, um, tell your friends about it, because we love getting new subscribers, and... If possible, could you please start rating the show? Give it five stars, even if you don't think it's that great. Five stars is amazing. Little comment saying you love the show, that kind of thing, so that slowly, slowly I can start to become noticed and hopefully one day make it featured on iTunes. Thank you very much.